0: welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting his word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. But I I just want to honor, Pastor Donnell, he might have left, but you're the man. I just wanted everybody to know how great a man you are. And uh, thank you for what you've done for so many missionaries around the world. What you guys don't know is there are many ministries in, in our country and, and in the world that look up to this man, ask him for advice, try to figure out how do you guys get such diverse staff and uh, the roads lead back to Pastor Janelle. So thank you, sir, for all that you've done and all you continue to do. And uh, I did want to honor Pastor James as well. Uh, he told me first service he was watching, so I'm guessing he's on it right now. Hey, Pastor James, Miss Debbie, uh, why don't y'all give him some love here? Uh, They're in New York City, um, uh, kicking off Unite NYC. And so what what God has been doing here, and uh, really a response to uh, so much that's been going on in our country. Uh, I'm so proud that our pastor has taken a lead and again is going to serve. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we've had a, a huge impact in New York City. Um, thankfully, because our leaders chose in a crisis time then of 9-11 to drive up and uh, begin ministering to people and, and God has blessed it through the years. And so thankful that our pastor is a praying pastor, uh, an obeying pastor and uh, one who loves each of you and he sends our love. I talked to him earlier this morning. I um, also wanted to honor my wife, who is sitting on my front row here. <laughs> Babe, you did so good. You got everybody checked in and you got one asleep. You're just, come on. Yes, God is real. So, um, so, so glad uh, my wife is here and able to uh, be with her. I, I, I can't do anything that I do without uh, her help and assistance and really anything I say good today, is, it's her. Um, I will say too, uh want to show a quick picture of my family um put our, our family picture up so this was last fall this is i've got six kids and i have a seventh on the way praise the lord come on now yes you know in genesis 1 it says to be fruitful and multiply so that's that's kind of been my bible reading plan for 14 years i haven't got past genesis i have to admit that now um but Yeah, my oldest, Simeon. uh, Judah, he's 10. Simeon's 12. uh, We're about to hit doubles for everything, so 12, 10. um, Eden's about to be 8 next Sunday. uh, Elias, he's sitting there on our lap. He's 6. Selah, who's 4, and Toby, who's knocked down the front row, he's 2. Tobias. So, um, needless to say, our quarantine was fun, y'all. We we, (laughs) had... (laughs) <laughs> we, ha- we had a lot of fun, a lot of walks, and uh, memories t- that we made over the past year. Uh, I'm glad to bring you God's Word. I, I do have um, just a brief story to share with you, really from last Sunday. And I did ask my wife's permission, so I must say that. Uh, but we've been looking in this help series, um, really looking at that-, that we all have this need for help. And last Sunday was one of those for me. I... I- we were getting ready, as you can imagine, it's an adventure every Sunday to, just to make it to church. Um, we, we finally realized the, the, the nexus of the problem is this is our one day out of the whole week that we're all trying to go somewhere together and dress, be put together and get there at the same time. <laughs> and so the adventure that is for eight people, you can imagine shoes and socks and uh, what about your hair? What about, did you eat, you know? You brush your teeth, you didn't brush your teeth. Uh, this is every week for us. And um, last Sunday, I'm not going to lie, I just got distracted. Like I, I really thought we were close to being done with all of our preparation and we were like getting to the point where it was time to leave and walk out the door. And so great old me, right? I, I just said, you know what? There's some dishes right there that haven't been done yet. and You know, that'll be for after church. So maybe I should work on them now. And so I, my wife and she was upstairs finishing, getting ready as well, and uh, she, she heard the dishes begin to clank and said, hold on, what, what is going on in, in, in the kitchen? I thought we were leaving the house. And so that led to a, um, a high-pitched discussion. We'll call it that today. How about that? That's a creative way to say we, we We had a good old uh, discussion in a living room fight, uh, argument. Mm, And it was all my fault because I had gotten distracted. Our task was to leave the house, and I said, well, I'm going to start doing something else. And even though it was a good idea, it wasn't what needed to be done. And I say that because I think we are all, if we're honest, will look back on this time of history and say, you know what? We were a pretty distracted generation. I mean, here's some things that that happened because of distraction. Um, A loss of time. You know, the average employee, they say nowadays, Harvest Business Review said that the average employee gets distracted 50 to 60 times in one day. One study has has found that uh, they were looking at what type of time it takes to get, you know, is lost in that, that it takes 23 minutes and 15 seconds for someone to get back on task after they've gotten off task. And so, uh, many of our days we're losing time because of distraction. Next, uh, losing of sleep. Distractions cause us to lose sleep. There, there's uh, many disasters and tragedies uh, that are uh, been connected to this. Chernobyl, one of the, um, it was almost an implosion of uh, a meltdown of the uh, chemical uh, reactions there. Uh, at, at the base where they had nuclear uh, facilities and, and Exxon Valdez Des oil spill, also the Challenger explosion. All of these have connections, and parts of the reason that things went awry, they found out, it was because people had a lack of sleep. They've been distracted from their sleep. Next, uh, distractions cause a deterioration of relationships. They found this, notice this, among partnered adults in the U.S., That's those that are married, cohabitating, or committed in a relationship. They said roughly half, this is what Pew Research said, roughly half of them said their partner is often or sometimes distracted by their cell phone while they're trying to have a conversation with them. That ever happened to you? You get to the restaurant and you have to put the phone on the table and then that person still is reaching for their phone. Four out of ten say that at least sometimes they're bothered by the amount of time that their partner spends on their mobile device. Another distraction thing that, co- that it causes is death. Over 3,100 people died in 2019 from the distracted driver being a part of it. Um, every day, the average is that eight people die in the United States from a distracted driving situation. But Listen, I, I can go on and on about distraction. Am I talking to the right group of people this morning that deals daily and weekly with the reality of buzzes and dings and emails and phone calls and texts? And that's just your device. Let alone your, your boss that walks in or your, your roommate or suite mate in your dorm that comes and knocks on the door and asks to go play video games. We're all living in a very distracted age, but today I've got good news for you. God has a vaccine for distractions. God has a a solution, a way, and he actually has seen ahead of time and, and knows not just what we're going through, he knows. And John 15 is where we're going to look today, so please turn in your Bible with me. John 15, very famous passage of Scripture, and We've been looking in this help series at the book of John and continuing really our I Am am series, um, looking at just some of the different things that John said about Jesus and how God not just wants us to kind of go through the things that we're going through, but he wants to be the one who provides help in time of need. That if we'll cry out to him, if we'll call out to him, he's actually able to do far more exceedingly abundantly above anything we ask or imagine because of the power that's working within us. You see, this, this God has a solution. And, and just to set up our, our, our text today, John 15 is in the middle of what's called uh, uh, Jesus's discourse the upper room discourse. He's, he's talking to his disciples before he's going to the cross. This is the last night they would have stayed up all night celebrating this Passover, and he's, he's giving them last instructions. And this is, John goes into a lengthy uh, uh, paragraphs and whole chapters where the, this conversation is going back and forth to the disciples. And 15 is, is right kind of in the middle of his conversation with the disciples. And this, I believe, is the vaccine he wants to give us today. Verse 1, it says this, From am reading from the NIV. Jesus talking, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it'll be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch bears fruit by itself, but it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. And if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Did you catch God's vaccine there? What Jesus is trying to get to, you know, distractions, are are powerful in their own right and their ability to lead us um, outside of what we should be doing but god's vaccine god's solution god's god's ability to bring us into what he has for us we'll sum up with one word purpose you see if there was there was one thing that that i was able to encapsulate everything that jesus is trying to get across with because by the way jesus does this in classic jesus fashion. He could have just said, hey, guys, you need a purpose, and it's me, and walked off. But he does it in classic Jesus fashion. He gives them a beautiful metaphor that we're going to unpack here in these next few minutes that I believe is, is the, thing, the dosage that if you will receive it today, if you will uh, receive what he's trying to say, it will actually lead you into greater fruitfulness than, than you've ever had before. And these three things that that we're going to highlight today, really in the verses five, six, and seven. And here's the first one. is Jesus wants us to get connected to the root of purpose. The root of purpose. You see, what we find here in, as Jesus is giving us this great example about the vine, the branches, the vineyard, the gardener, the fruit, what we see is that Jesus is actually answering one of the biggest questions of life. I've been privileged to to minister, Pastor Phillips said it earlier, but uh, 18 years to college students, it's been my joy, and and I'm so thankful that just like Pastor Danelle, that someone took the time to come out to my campus. College was not a time I was thinking I was going to go get closer to God. College was a time that I thought that this was my time to get away from God, and so I was going to this campus and I was going to be free and I was going to have all the time that I needed to do everything that I wanted to do, when I wanted to do it, how I wanted to do it. I was going to be my own God. And this was going to be the place where I got to build and establish my kingdom. But here's the thing. I found in working with college students that there's three big questions they try to answer in college. One would be, who am I? The second one would be, okay, let's let's keep it real. Who who am I supposed to date? Who am I supposed to marry? You know, who am I supposed to get with here? But the third one is really what I mean when we're talking about purpose today. Why am I here? You know, one of the biggest and best-selling books in recent history is a book called The Purpose-Driven Life by Rick Warren. He wrote it in the year 2002. I was ending my college years then. And in this book... He has, I mean, again, this this thing now has sold 35 million copies. Uh, When it came out, it was on the New York Times bestseller list for 90 straight weeks. I mean, you talk about having an impact on our culture. But this is the thing I love about the book, and and it, it grabs your attention from the first page. This is how he starts the whole book. It's not about you. It's not about you. You see, if we're going to talk about the root of purpose, we're going to have to come to grips with really what Jesus said. Look what he said in verse 5. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Tell somebody to your right, you look like a really good branch right now. You, you're doing a really good job. Looking like a branch, standing like a branch, sitting like a branch, falling asleep like a branch. <laughs> now, if everybody looks awake in here, don't worry, I'm looking for the sleepers, those of y'all that are trying. Oh, what was my son on the front row. Never mind. Um, But here, here, I I got this real, real easy illustration. Jesus did not say, I'm the vine, you're the fruit. I mean, fruit, it it looks good, it tastes good, right? It's sweet, it it has great flavor. But Jesus did not say it was about us. He actually said... (laughs) Let me help you out. Nobody goes to a vineyard and goes, man, look at these branches. This is what I came to see. Honey, will you look at the color? Will you you take a good look at just how those leaves are just really coming out of those stems and and those branches? It's all about, no, 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 no. Jesus is making it real clear that our purpose is not about us. Now, I, I know that sounds kind of maybe self-deprecating or kind of a dock on our conscience but, uh, and our pride, but it's just a reality. What, what God is trying to get across here is that our purpose is too small if it's just us. Our purpose is too small. I'll say it even differently. Our purpose is too small if it's another person because they're just a branch too. Our purpose is too small if we try to attach it to anything outside of him because he said, what, I'm the true vine. Yes. I'm the only source of life. I'm reminded of really the saints of old that have wrestled with this question of what are we here for? And uh, it, it encourages my soul. I, I was reading and studying this, uh, the different saints and some of their answers, um, but I, I love how short and concise the Westminster Catechism has. it. You know, in, in church history, the catechism was, was kind of a series of classes that you went through. You know, Pastor Philip was up here talking about Connect class. We got two classes. I mean, the catechism of old was you, you would wait years before you were baptized because you had to go through a series of classes and not just be educated, but you had to be trained in what, how, what to believe about God and how to live this Christian life. And so one of the things they would do is memorize uh, statements and, and different theological points. And one of the, I, I love how the Westminster Catechism begins. It's, it's, this, it, it's a series of questions that the catechists would give back answers to. And this is the question, what is the chief end of man? Why are we here? This is the answer each catechist was to give, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I'm giving you a cheat sheet right now about why you're here. Not why you're physically here in this building or tuning in online, but why are you on this planet? It is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Now, some of us in here have a, and do a better job at glorifying God. I mean, you, you're the ones with the, with, the, with the t-shirts that say, you know, you know Jesus is my homeboy. Uh, You're the ones that, man, you got the car bumper stickers. You listen to Christian music. I mean, you are glorifying God, everything you say or do. Some of us struggle, though, maybe with the enjoying God part, though, With, with actually enjoying who he is, not just doing what I'm supposed to be doing for him, but like actually enjoying and gaining all of my nourishment, all of my nutrients, all of my life, all of my joy, all of my peace, all of my security from him. And some of us, is the opposite. It's like, man, we, we enjoy Jesus, man. I, I really like how he makes me feel. I really enjoy how he puts good friends around me and really blesses my job and my, my bank account. I really like that, man, one day, I'm going to get to spend eternity in the best place that it does not have, you know, the heat on hell. But glorifying God, ooh, I, you know, I, I enjoy him, but I can't, like, let other people know who he is. I always say it like this because I I meet a lot of students and they have a problem with Christianity, but usually their problems is with this. And they judge everything that Jesus is, everything that he said, and they're looking for the fruit and they're realizing that they're, they're, they don't realize that they're judging branches. See, Christianity is about Christ it's about who he is, and, and your purpose for your life is tied into who he is. You say, show me this in the Bible, Romans 8, verse 28 and 29. It's a famous and popular verse. And 28 starts this way, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Anybody love him today? This is good news. He's working things together. You're sitting here, but he's working. You slept last night, but He's working. This is good news. And it says he's for the good of those that love him and who have been called according to whose purpose? His purpose. What's his purpose? Look at verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now that... I, I no, nobody amen or, or shouted you down, but I'm going to give you a chance here in a second. What Paul just said is that the whole purpose and goal of your life is that you would look more like Jesus. He's already thought it up ahead of time. He's already envisioned your life. He's already envisioned all your choices. He's already envisioned all the seasons of your life, all of the the trials and tribulations, all of the great times, all of the horrible times. He envisions it all, but you know what? And through it, he's saying, this is what it's going to take for them to look more like Jesus. They're going to be conformed to the image of my son. They're going to be connected to me. They're going to bring forth life into the earth. Did you notice that in our verse he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, that if you remain in me and you in you, you'll bear much fruit. I, 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 the first time I read the next part, I did not believe it. I'm going to read it again. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I said that for years. I said, Jesus, that is, that is not true. I see people doing things all the time and they're not doing it with you. I see people flourishing in their life. I look at the fruit of their life, and man, it looks really rich. It looks really amazing. You know, one of the, the top questions I get asked um, on college campuses is, is not just those big questions, but it's why do bad things happen to good people? And what Jesus just did was give us the, 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 the connection to it all. He says, listen, sometimes bad things are happening because I'm cutting Sometimes good things are happening because I am bringing forth a fruit that I will later prune and cut more back away. You see, what God is trying to accomplish is He's trying to get us to the root of our purpose. The, our purpose is not ours, it's His. It is something that He has a design for, He has an uh, awareness of, He has foresight for. You see, if we try to attach our lives and gain purpose, from something that is not alive, we will think it's dead, when really it was us. Notice what he says in verse 6. If you do not remain in me, these are some of the biggest ifs in the Bible, by the way. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Nobody wants This by itself does nothing. This has no inherent value. I can't even sell this to somebody on the street. This is only good for one thing the trashy. But connected to the vine, connected to purpose, connected to a destiny, connected to a vine dresser that knows how to work it, that knows how to make it bear more fruit. That can become this. And can I tell you today, this is what God wants to bring about in your life a fruitfulness. And he's promised it. He said, you remain in me, much fruit. Not maybe. He doesn't say one day there's a chance it might not. He said, if you remain in me, that's the only if. If you just remain in me, much fruit. That's what your life will produce. So here's the second thing, though, I want to highlight, because most people read through this passage and miss something very important. How many of you guys have vines in your backyard? I'm talking about a grapevine. Anything like this? Anybody? Got a couple. Okay, most of us in here, you live kind of in this this greater Nashville area, so you got to drive probably 30 minutes to find some vines that are growing grapes on purpose. In the Bible, vines and vineyards, in the Old Testament, it spoke about Israel Let's talk about the people of God. And, and we don't have time today, but Psalms 80, Isaiah 5, uh, there, there's, there's several other places too in the Old Testament I could quote. God compares Israel to being this vine. But here's the thing about a vine. You don't just get grapes in a month. You don't plant a vine plant and, and, and expect to actually get wine even in a year or two years. If you're lucky, you can get it get some wine the third year from the from the fruit of the the, the vine. If you're lucky. You see, that's why over and over in the Old Testament as well, whenever people would move somewhere and they planted a vineyard, that was a sign they were putting their roots down. I'm staying here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be here. This is my new home. This is where me and my family are going to grow up. This is, this is how we're going to, you know, I always say it's, it's, this is not the Nashville tourist kind of uh, type of living. They're not putting down roots. But when you plant a vineyard, you're putting down roots. And so this is my second point. It's not just the root of purpose, but it's the timing of Purpose. If you are going to not just fulfill your purpose, but know your purpose in the earth, you have to know this, it's going to take time. That's part of the process. Jesus here is giving us this this great illustration that, listen, if you don't remain, which basically is another substitute for time, you don't stay with me. Over time, you will wither up and die. You won't make it. But if you... Tie into me. Over time, you'll actually bear fruit that will remain. Fruit that will remain. I I I think about this thing of time, and I I I forgot to tell it last service, but I'm gonna tell it this one. We had a pastor who was on staff here, Mike Cantrell. I love him. He's he's now our uh, director for every nation for our missions department, and. uh, he actually was, was, was on staff with us, and so he, part of, he had a phone he had, needed to upgrade him. And so w- when he uh, went to the Apple store to get his new phone, he said, hey, I need you to sync up all of my stuff, put it on the new phone. And he gets his new phone, and I'll never forget, he, he came into the office, and he, he just like just hitting this thing. It's like, man, something's going on with my phone. I can't, I mean, you guys ever feel like your whole life is gone if your phone's not working? Not charged up? I mean, he, 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 literally his whole life, is like, man, I can't send any emails. I can't text anybody. I can't call. It, it just was locking up as soon as he turned it on. He said, I'm taking it back for another, you know, for another day. And he finally took it back and they said, sir, here's, here's the problem. You tried to upgrade your phone so fast, but you didn't pay attention to the type of phone you were getting. And you actually got a newer phone, but with less memory. You tried to upgrade your phone without upgrading the amount of space that it, that it could be capable of, of handling. And, and I started thinking about that when I, when I was thinking about this message, because for me, the timing of purpose It's about realizing that time is actually on your side. God is an eternal God. And he has created us to be eternal with him. If you are connected to God, you are connected to eternity. If you are connected to the one who gives life, you can have eternal life. And if you are connected to the one who gives purpose, You can have a purpose that is eternal. Let me say it a different way. I work with college students, so I have to always break things down and make it simple. Young people think time is just some commodity that I just throw around. It's not important. It's actually against me. Or I can manipulate it. But what I found with a vine and growing uh, grapes is that it it is a thing to be valued. Time is actually on your side. I'll say it differently, the vine and the grapes and the branches must go through every season. The seasons have a purpose. The good news this this morning is no matter what season of life you came in here with, Let me tell you that there is a vine dresser, there is a gardener. He is working on your life and he is making sure that you produce the fruit you're supposed to produce throughout every season. Here's the thing though, grapes don't produce fruit every season. Some seasons they're dormant. Some seasons it looks like nothing's happening. Some seasons I'm sure the branches feel like, you know what, it's time for me to get out of here. But there's no branch that can bear any fruit coming to the vine once a week for an hour. There's no branch that can bear any fruit coming for five minutes in the morning and then going about his day. There is no branch that can bear fruit coming to the vine for two weeks or or taking two weeks off for vacation. There is no vine that has a branch that will produce fruit like this. Time is on our side. Ecclesiastes three says this, that there's a time and a season for everything under the sun. Every activity is under the heaven. It says there's a time to plant, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot. Verse 11 says this, that God makes everything beautiful in his time. You see, when time is placed in God's hands, he actually does something beautiful with it. I don't know what you came in here ugly with in your life, but I'm here to tell you that the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that if you will place your time in Jesus's hands, when you get distracted, when you, when you, the loss of time and the, the, the distraction that has brought you off course and off, off the vine, if you will come back to him, This is why it's almost always noted from every sermon I've heard this passage that Jesus said, remain in him. I've got, you guys heard six little ones, and one of the things I do, my number one job is to be the chief repeater in the house. Put your shoes up. Put your clothes up. Brush your teeth. But the more I say it, the more I'm, I'm, I'm... I'm being clear that I know you're not doing this. See, Jesus knows we're not remaining in Him. That's why He had to repeat it so many times. He actually repeats it 11 times in this passage. Remain in me. The other translations say, Abide in me. Remain in me. Why? Because it takes time to produce the fruit that God wants to produce in your life. It takes time. Time is on your side. The timing of purpose is that it's, everything is beautiful in its time. So not only are we, we talking this morning about the root of purpose and the timing of purpose, but lastly, we're going to close with the fruit of purpose. The fruit of purpose. You see, if, if I'm just a branch and there's nothing produced through my relationship with God, nothing produced in my relationship with my purpose, that is, Um, falling off the, that's good fruit there, Um, falling off the tree. If there's nothing worth anyone having, desiring, wanting, I'm not connected to the root. Look at what verse verse 7 says. If you remain in me, again, these are some of the biggest ifs in the Bible. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Man, that's, that's, that's pretty audacious. Jesus just said you could ask for anything and it would get done, but there's a stipulation. He said you got to remain in me, and look what he said, and if my words remain in you, you got to stay connected to Jesus long enough for his words to actually stay inside of you. If you will allow this thing called time to work on your side it'll actually produce something great. The the crazy thing about every branch that I've seen is the fruit that it can produce is always greater than what it it can can hold. It's it's so much more. It's It's so multiplied. And here's the thing about the fruit that God wants us to produce. It's beautiful. It's sweet even to the world. And it has a seed in it. We live, so, so, we live in a GMO world, right, where we can produce fruit with no seeds. Can I tell you that there is no such thing as a seedless Christian? That God does not just put his word inside of us and not a, a expect it to actually produce something that will multiply past us? And, and let, me, let me just read some of, you, some of this fruit that, that God is looking for. Galatians 5, and 23 has the famous fruit of the Spirit. A short list that Paul encapsulates, he'd been contrasting how when you're living in the world, the fruit it produces is rotten. And this is the fruit, though, he says that God wants to produce when we're living with him. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. I'll say it differently. Nobody's ever going to say, don't stop. We got too much of that. I mean, think about it for a second. Let's just go back through these. Imagine, we'll pick one area of life, your social media feed. Imagine if your social media feed was filled with love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Imagine if your your family was filled with this and and this is is on display. This is what people are able to partake of. Imagine if, if your your cubicle and your, your work environment, those Zoom calls, I know many of you are still working from home, but man, you, you're, you're on the Zoom, and man, when people talk, this is what you hear. And notice this this says the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't say the fruits, so these aren't multiple things. This is all the fruit. This is all the flavor that's in the fruit. This is what makes uh, the, the the gospel attractive. It makes it beautiful. I'm glad that we have... Many places to buy clothes from and many ways to dress ourselves up as Christians. But I'm, I'm so glad that we have a fruit that other people can receive in their life and other people can see in their life, taste and see that the Lord is good. You see, what won me to Christ years ago, it was that I saw people that had this. It wasn't that they had the, 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 the best band. I mean, th- this band here, my goodness, worship team is Amazing. Every Sunday, I just, you know, tears and, and I, just a wealth of emotions and all kinds of things are happening. It wasn't that, man, they were the greatest preachers even, though preaching is great. What won me to Christ was that I saw people that had love in their heart. I'll end kind of with a couple illustrations. My, um, the, the man that won me to the Lord um, was a traveling country music singer. And he uh, gave up a little bit of his travels on the road to be a part of this new church plant in Murfreesboro. Pastor Philip mentioned it earlier. Um, we uh, planted, actually Bethel, Brentwood here uh, sent about four or five people to go to Murfreesboro and plant a new church. And the pastor was, was, uh, had done chaplaincy work before, and so he said, well, I'm going to go reach out to the high school next to me and the college next to me. And that's how the, the church really started. We met in a ballroom at MTSU. It was a ballet room, literally mirrors everywhere. So it looked like there were a million people and they were all moving in unity. Um, I remember going to this church though and, and the first church service I go to, this guy, Ron, this country musician, he would come up to me and shake my hand and said, hey, good to meet you. My name's, oh, my name's Delvin, okay, great. He said, listen, I'm gonna be on campus this week. I'm gonna be doing a Bible study. And, and you should come. Some of your teammates will be there. And you know what? On the inside, I, my heart leapt because as, as I was in a critical point of my life. I, you know, if, if, if to use the metaphors Jesus is using here, my life was withering away. I, 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 I had everything that I thought I was supposed to have, but it was not satisfying. Was, there was no nourishment, no, no sense of joy, no sense of peace, no sense of, of love towards God or other people in my heart. And so, I'll never forget him reaching out to me, and that spawned an a, a up-close example of me getting to see the fruit of his life. What I realized, he loved his wife. Oh, man, that man loved his wife. That, to this day, Pastor Ronald opened up the door for his wife, Nancy, every single time, every restaurant, every place they go. I saw this man love his wife like Christ loved the church. I saw this man open up his home and just begin to have people over for meals and parties and get togethers and Bible studies and prayer moments. And, and really, you know, there was nothing fancy. He was, he was not this fancy guy with, with, with slick talk. All I kept hearing was love, 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 everything he did, everything he said. It was the love of God. You know, there's something about love that this world desperately needs. And, and if there's one thing that I wish and I hope and I pray that our church is known for is that we love the world. Not that we became the world, not that we, we, we uh, decided to, to, to be something we're not, but that everywhere we go, the love of Jesus went with us. The fruit of the Spirit. You know, one theologian, that's what he said. is that you can just sum up the fruit of the Spirit with that one word, love. That when someone encounters the love of God inside a person, they sense the love of God. They sense the love of God, the peace of God, the, the, the overwhelming presence of God. You see, what Jesus has promised us today is that every other vine is fake. He is the only true vine, He's the only one who will sustain your life. He's the only one who can take your life, you say, man, my life, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know who I've, who I've hurt. You don't know the things that I've said. You don't know the places I've been. I'm telling you, we just read it. God works everything together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And here's the thing. It'd be one thing if he just said, I'm the true vine and y'all get your act together. But this is what Jesus did. Jesus didn't just say, I am the true vine. He became truly a vine for us. You see, if, if there, out of all the kind of trees in the Bible, there's a lot of like oak trees and almond trees. I mean, these things just grow up, take no problems. But out of all the trees, if there's one that takes a lot of attention, it's a grapevine. And so, Jesus, he humbled himself. He came in the form of a man, he, and he, 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 he buried himself into this earth For for 33 years, he decided to not just obey his father, but to to display who he was to all of those around him. And in those 33 years, he knew what was coming. See, you think pruning and the cutting of God is bad. Imagine being completely cut off from your heavenly father. He'd known him from all eternity. And and Jesus knew he was going to be the vine who was chopped down. He knew that, that, that if in order for us to have the real eternal life, that it would take him sacrificing his only life that he had on this planet, and he gave it up freely. You know, vines, they need to actually be propped up off the ground. He was propped up on a cross, and he was put there for you and I. And on the cross, he, he, he said it was finished, and, and the next three days later, when, when they came to the tomb, it says that... Uh, Peter and John, they ran to the tomb and they didn't see any clothes and they just ran away puzzled. But it said that Mary came on Sunday morning. And when she came, she got there. And I don't know if you have noticed this before, but the Bible says there was a tomb that Jesus was buried in. But do you know what was next to the tomb? It was a garden. And Mary comes in to see Jesus and realizes he's not there. And she sees somebody outside of the tomb and she looks at him and she says, Oh, this must be the gardeners, what the Bible says. The gardener's here. The vine dresser, he's here to, to take care of the vines in the, in the vineyard. She didn't know that she was the vineyard that he was coming to take care of, by the way, because it was Jesus. And, and she, she starts to, to, to wail and to cry, and, and, and Jesus says, Mary. She says, you don't know what happened. Where did they put my Lord? And she says it again, Mary. She goes, oh, my gosh. It is you. You come for me in my darkest moment, in, in my moment of despair and anxiety. You came for me. You came to make sure that I bear this fruit. You came to make sure that I was tied to my purpose. You came to make sure that I, I was fruitful in what I did and how I lived my life. And Mary got to go be the first evangelist, a woman. You say, why am I sharing this with you? Go ahead and stand to your feet. We're going to pray here to close because God wants to connect you this morning to your purpose and here's the the illustration I want to give it would be like someone coming in here and saying you know what we need to fill up 1,000 bags of sand quickly let's just let's start filling up bags of sand and probably by the fifth bag, somebody will say, what in the world are we doing this for? Why are we doing this here again? And yet, if someone ran in behind them and said, you know what? We, we're filling up these bags, guys, because there's rushing water downtown Nashville. The, the dam is broken. We, we need to fill up these bags to create a levee." You see, suddenly, that act of filling a bag doesn't seem so trivial. It doesn't seem so pointless. Why? Because now it has purpose. Some of you in here, this, this is, has been your Christian walk. You've been doing things, but just doing them because somebody told you to do them. You've been doing things just because you know it's the right thing to do, the right thing to say, the right place to go. But, but I'm telling you today, God wants to now attach you to that root of purpose. He wants to now breathe fresh hope and life into you that you have never known so that you can bear fruit that you've never borne. That's what today is about. Much fruit being born. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you right now for my friends. I thank you for the power of the gospel, the good news. Lord, you said that you came, that we were going to have a life to the full. Lord, the enemy has been trying to sift and to destroy and distract each of my friends from their purpose. Been trying so hard and doing a good job at times of pulling them away but yet you continue to call today say remain in me remain in me remain in me don't move don't move stay with me stay with me don't move don't move spend time with me i've got all the nourishment you need i've got all the strength you need all the wisdom you need all the resources you need all the hope you need you know today if you're here and you say you know what pastor delvin i can sense my soul has been withering Maybe you've never been connected to this Jesus. You thought he was dead. No, that's a sign that you're dead. That's a sign that you're a branch that has never had real life flow into you. The Bible says that we're born dead as sinners. Our sin actually deadens our heart. We're not alive. But what God does is he resurrects and brings forth life and grafts us into this this great vine. And if you're here today, though, whether you've been a dead branch or you're a branch that feels like you're withering, I want you to just put both hands in the air really is a sign of just like a, a branch on a vinewood as reaching out to the sun just saying please give me more give me more i need more nutrients more more life lord i thank you right now for my friends that have sensed the withering in their soul even today lord the words that we spoke and lord i'm praying they would go deep into their hearts lord and they would never be the same not because of this uh, who who is speaking to them lord but because you're speaking to them lord just setting them apart for your purpose You know, right now, if you have your hands raised, this is the thing. You need to say, Lord, forgive me. My sin, my rebellion, my distraction, my disobedience, my my ignoring your call has gotten away. Lord, don't let me get into the way. Lord, will you forgive them all of my sins? Will you remove my sins from me as far as east is from the west? Will you separate everything that I've been trying so hard to hold on to? And will you connect me to the source of life today? Christ Jesus, will you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Will you give me new new fruit to bear in my life? Lord, that will bring glory to the Father. Lord, we thank you today for my friends. I thank you for the new life that's rushing into their soul. Lord, everyone online, Lord, I thank you that you're meeting them right where they are. And Lord, we thank you today that you who began the good work, you're going to finish it. You who started this, this, this work in our hearts, you're going to bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Let everybody say it with me. Amen. Amen.